I, I'm in over my head. Okay. <laughs> so those, like, okay, you know, this is how I feel. Okay. When, when you, you feel you ever jumped into like the deep end of a pool and been like, it's probably only seven feet. I'll dive down and touch it. Yeah. And then turns out it's like one of those like NASA training center pools that's like 200 feet deep and you're tr- and you're like well i'm already this far i may as well try to get down to the damn bottom so i get that that's how i feel about this coming weekend <laughs> i am going to be doing my first actual D one shot campaign hell yeah i have been graciously invited to and i i'm gonna be a bard because i feel like that's natural <laughs> and I'm I've been doing my best to like prepare and like figure out what I'm going to do because it's a one shot and we're all level seven and it's going to be like this conference meeting thing and there's dark magic about and yada 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 anyway I bought this like thing on Amazon that was a, a spell book cards for bard and it's like all the spells that a bard will have so I can like figure out like what my like repertoire is there's a lot of cards. Yeah. <laughs> I thought there was going to be like 50 for me to like sift through and figure this shit out. I was, I was wrong. <laughs> I was, I was so, so very wrong. <laughs> well, yes. So I, I'm, I'm figuring it. I'm, I'm sort of figuring it out. I don't even know what race my characters is. <laughs> It took me a week to figure out my subclass of what like college my bard is going to be from. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot. It's on my like recommended on YouTube now because I've been looking up all these bard class videos of people figuring out things and like strategies and yada, yada, yada. And um, yeah, this is okay. It's a lot. So <laughs> let me. <laughs> I, I'm not like a D&D expert or anything. I've done a few campaigns now, three uh-huh. or four. I would say that there are two main strategy or like two main ways that people play D&D is you either play it like a game or you play it like a story. Mm. And I think the first part that, you know, you kind of, the first question that you have to kind of ask yourself is like, are you in this to like optimize your game mechanics and be like, I want to make a mechanically like interesting and useful character, or do I want to start from the standpoint of like this is a cool like character to play and write, and somebody who who I want to be, you know, a part of ex- a story and explore, and then kind of do things that make sense for for that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, like, I'm much more of the second, I'm way more of the second, personally, <laughs> obviously. Mm-hmm. Checks out. And what I do is I don't even choose my racer class first. I roll dice and I take whatever the result is in strict order to, to base my stat block off of. So I will roll my strength. And then I will roll my con and oh, dex and so on. Mm-hmm. And then I'll choose a class based off of what works well with those stats. 
and then once I, and then I give myself a little bit of time to think like, what is an interesting version of this class to me? Or what is an, given what I know about the setting or, you know, like any of the story prompts for what the, the one shot is going to be about or going to be like. So like we had like a campaign that was set on like an island archipelago, lots of beaches, lots of pirate ships. And I was a uh, surfer bro elf nature monk. Uh, You told me about this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Phila. He was a lot of fun. (laughs) And then we had a campaign set in Icewind Dale. And the DM was like, get get all your Norse tropes ready. And everyone was like, yay, Vikings. And I'm like, Ikea, Sigaros, Ingmar Bergman films. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so I ended up as an ergonomancer. I had my DM approve a customized spell list for a sorcerer so that I could only do area of attack things to, to make spaces more or less comfortable for people so healing was involved but also like you know buffs and debuffs and stuff like that and this character is an absolute blast to play but so that's i tend to make decisions based off of that rather than just like but a lot of people come to D as a game first and they're like mm-hmm. um, you know what is a good build for this class like let me and that's especially as you're getting started it it would be a good way to start because well i would say that most of the time in D &D, the challenge is not such that having a well maximized character is essential to be able to win or get through it at least in the campaigns that i've played in my experience you don't you can really take things that sound fun or interesting to you rather than things that you expect will be useful to a point like if your party doesn't have a healer and you're a bard you know if like if your party doesn't have another healer and you're a bard like you're going to have to be the healer so take take a goddamn right. healing spell besides that <laughs> just uh yeah go nuts play play the style that sounds fun to you no matter how useless it might be my first campaign i was a a halfling who really enjoyed weed and my dm was like okay drugs uh you can use them for divination magic and you cook really bomb meals for everybody and and we'll use that for healing for your party uh (laughs) but it was yeah (laughs) It's bullshit, but you can you can make it work for whatever you want. Yeah. Well, um, I have to. I'm going to see what happens. Okay. It's uh, keep me keep me posted. Tell absolutely. me how it goes. The, yeah. D- the DM's going to be Dante, so that's going to uh, be real okay. interesting. Yeah. So, most of the people who are playing have fantasized about me joining their group because they think that I'd be good at it. So, I have my own shoes to fill. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it should be, I'm, I think it'll be fun. I'm nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, 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 we'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll let you know for the next episode, honestly. Okay. So it should be fun.
Anyway, uh, what are we doing here? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, this is Hype is My Superpower. It's a podcast in which we talk about things that we're hyped on. You've heard an intro music uh, theme by now. You, you are listener. You are well acquainted with the uh, the tropes of this being a show production, entertainment, and yeah. Will, what what did you read this week? I'll tell you what I read this week. Thank you. I read this a Hulk Thor crossover called Banner of War. That's right. It happened. Donny Cates, <laughs> Donny Cates just Donny Catesing all over the place. Yeah, it was it was a thing. It was. I mean, I. It's kind of funny because like most times you have two named characters fighting each other. It's like an issue, and then like we move on. Like that's a thing that happened, and then we continue like the individual stories or whatever. Or, like one of them's a cameo in somebody else's title. Yada yada. Yeah, the fact that they like dedicate an entire. TP for this because that's how long it's going to take for a an all father Thor and a smash not Hulk <laughs> get through their battle. Oh my God, it they just it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so we'll it talk about like that. That's the point, though. Like, yeah, Donny so. Cates. I mean, you look at one, you look at Knoll for one second, and you're like, this is the work of a ridiculous man. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and then uh, i've got dark ages which i had said i was excited for last oh, episode yeah. it's an alternate universe story okay so it's just kind of a like it's sort of like a what if it's just like <laughs> <laughs> okay it's six issues of a what if story so like wow it's, you know it's it's another universe that they like thought through that's a that's a substantial commitment in yeah. storytelling time to uh to a new idea yeah it is pretty interesting uh cool. if i'm real honest so talk about that and then another what if book spider-man oh, wow. spider's shadow and this is written by chip zadarsky which is kind of fun interesting yeah and so and then also just big picture like company wise there's this on the top corner, there's this logo oh. that says what if, and then a big ass question mark that looks more like a circle. Yeah. It's not in focus, but yeah. Also, the listeners can't see it. I see it. Yeah, I know. This is yeah. for you. Okay. <laughs> I'm wondering if this is like the launch of a new like version of what something? if. Yeah. Where it's because it's not introduced by Uatu. Because- <laughs> Thank God. Last time we saw Uatu in Forsaken War, his dad slapped him for <laughs> spending all of his time in the what if chamber. So, also just like it was really cool initially. It was a really cool conceit for what if comics, right? Like, yes, I, as the person who sees everything, can also see the things that didn't happen and, and let's go through it and talk about it. By this mm-hmm. point, we get it, <laughs> we, we get the concept. Yeah. And I also think just like as a world or society, like we're much more familiar and understanding of multiple universes. Mm-hmm. Like the TV shows are different from the movies when you're talking about like the Batman shows and all that kind of stuff. Right. And like each company is a different universe. And we have, you know, like Amazon Prime originals. You got like, <laughs> there's so many different 
stories now. It's just a complicated way of saying some of these stories go together and some of them don't and get right. over it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Especially with, with wish, uh, especially with all the multiverse stuff that phase four has been doing and MCU. Right. I think going away from the original what if trope and just being if they make this an imprint like you have marvel max you have marvel knights you have yes. marvel and you have what if yes even though max and knights are also what ifs but <laughs> besides right. the point <laughs> right but yeah so it's called spider shadow the only thing i knew about it is it's basically what if spider-man kept the black suit and he killed on accident and mm. then just like went down a dark path okay so i'm assuming it's like I, f- I feel like it's going to be a fanboy story about how powerful Spider-Man actually is okay. if he were serious and sure. decided to go evil and that nobody is really going to be able to contend against him. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Like, ah, it happens every few years. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Either it's Spider-Man or it's Invisible Woman, oh. where the writer's just like, all right, they've been underestimated for too many years. Let's right. show, like, if they get serious, this is, this is what they could do. Mm-hmm. So that's what I assume this story is going to be. Dark Ages, I have no idea. <laughs> well, had. And then Banner 4. So that's what I got. What you got? I also spent a lot of time with sort of flashbacks, retcons, re-flash mids, reinterpretations. I had three books. X-Men Children of the Atom, which takes place in the time before X-Men number one from 1963. Mm. Just like from the time that Xavier first has the idea to to make the school and when, you know, all the students have joined and they go on their first mission. Like what happens in that in between in the early days of the school? It was really cool. I liked it a lot. Cool. And then there was... X-Men Hidden Years. So Children of the Atom, six-issue miniseries, read the whole thing for this pod. X-Men Hidden Years is an ongoing series that Mm. explores what happened between the time that basically when the X-Men was more or less canceled, the X-Men title was more or less canceled in 1970 and was put into reprints for a couple dozen issues before being relaunched with the all-new all different team and what happened in those intervening years, basically. And that was very interesting in a different way. And then the third thing that I read this week was X-Men Phoenix. And it is a limited series about Rachel Summers after she basically becoming mother Iskani for mm. the cable timeline. Shall we Let's dive get in? started. Start us off with uh, you going Banner of War first. Yeah, Banner of War, Hulk versus Thor. So we've gotten four volumes of Thor and we've gotten one volume of Hulk. Yeah. The last time we saw Thor, he destroyed... Uh, was it... Uh, the gods, the, the Mother Storm and Mangog fused together inside the sun and <laughs> came back and... Jesus fucking Christ, Donnie. 
was the god of hammers and was possessing Mjolnir and attacking Thor. Thor ended up winning because the hero and it was <laughs> yep. <laughs> succinct. Odin passed away. Yeah. Defending him. And then he Odin was going to go to Valhalla. Valhalla is completely empty and he can't go to Valhalla. And so he possesses Mjolnir and Thor is the only one that can hear Odin. Ah. And also Mjolnir now is put back together with like this golden Uru metal stuff. The and so it looks like, yeah. yeah, it looks like those like Japanese mm-hmm. art pieces. And then Banner or Hulk is the body is a spaceship. <laughs> Bruce is the pilot, like a giant mech, like big O. And then the power source is the Hulk personality. And he has the little like gauge from one to 10 that sends things for Hulk to fight to get more power. Truly one of the wildest conceits for a comic that <laughs> That I have heard in quite some time. So weird. So weird. But it totally works. <laughs> it worked for a book. We'll see if it keeps on going. But okay. okay. So anyway, Hulk Banner, because of whatever happened in El Paso. Right. They Banner's like, we got to go. So we got to get off world. And so he's basically World War or he's basically planet hulking himself. Yeah. While he's in flight. Mjolnir starts flying towards his face. And that was the end of smashing up. So now Thor is looking for something to hit. And (laughs) for whatever reason, he comes across Hulk who's flying around looking all spaceshipy. And Thor is aware of his actions on on Earth. Earth. And he's like, you need to answer for yeah. yeah, you need to you need to answer for all these killings. Yeah, yeah, yada. So they crash land on a planet. Bruce is being visited by those visions of Betty again. Yeah. And Zeus or Odin is talking to Thor. And so they both have this like voice in their heads. Great. Okay. <laughs> and they like yell at the voice in their head, and they both look at each other and like, who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? It's kind of funny. Anyway, okay. so. They land on a planet. The planet is populated. And, and so Thor is like, Sif, I need you to send me, send us somewhere like where people aren't going to get hurt. And so she's like, cool, I'll send you to the black hand of God, which was, uh, what did we last see? We saw it once randomly. <laughs> it's a giant celestial hand that got turned into a fighting arena. Oh, right. Yes. Where the most heinous acts of violence that the the universe has ever seen blah 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 blah. sure yeah anyway they get sent there and they're like okay it's time to go let's do this and so now they have an audience and but they can go all out and so they're having a great time and then ship hulk isn't doing enough to stand against thor and so banner basically he puts the he puts he puts it at level eight and he's like, hold at level eight computer. And computer's like, I don't think you should. And he's like, dude, don't worry about it. I'm doing this. I'm going in. And he puts on this like mech suit thing that lets okay. him control Hulk, like Pacific Rim. 
Okay, where, sure. Where yeah, it like yeah, does yeah. the actual Ka- kaiju, kind of thing. yeah, yeah. And then, so the computer is Hulk's memory, and so he asks the computer to show Bruce all of the times the two of them have fought, and he's going to use that to come up with a plan to how to fight him. I don't know. It's okay. It's a whole thing. But anyway, by the two of them <laughs> fought, you mean uh, Hulk and Thor. Hulk and Thor, yeah. Okay. Thor has Thor has Hulk pinned by Mjolnir because that's what you can do. Sure. And so, so <laughs> Bruce Hulk is like, I need more power, I need more power, I need more power. And he tries to stand up and push Mjolnir to the side or whatever. It yeah. doesn't. And so he just lets Mjolnir push through his body oh god and he just stands up and now he's got this giant hole in his chest okay where mjolnir was holding him down yeah and hulk is like all right let's do this and thor is like okay so he reaches through his hole and grabs mjolnir and is like let's go around two. <laughs> oh my god yeah so they fight and odin is like let me take care of this real quick. Something's weird. It's like, all right. And so he sends Mjolnir and then he sends Mjolnir goes and breaks the sound barrier and breaks and does this giant lightning bolt, blah, 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 messes him up. But anyway, Mjolnir gets right up on Hulk's head. And then for whatever reason, because comics, Odin goes into Hulk's head and addresses Bruce like personally and he's like bruce we need to talk what's going on here all this is going down and the avengers are like we need to find we need to find this guy (laughs) we need to find hulk because he ran away and also iron man is pissed because uh hulk almost killed him to get to the ship pieces so he could sure and they're like oh hey we found him he's not the black hand of god and they're like what he's like how did you <laughs> read Richards is like, how did you find him? I don't understand. And he's like, so Tony says, I have a network of deep space satellites slaved to my internal mainframe. They constantly sweep for activity in places explored or not. Yesterday we picked up a sound and reads like a sound in yes, a sound in Smash. space, something so loud that it's vibrational frequency completely fried okay. one of my space babies okay. from there. I triangulated the source of the sonic disturbance and isolated it. You know what it was? It was a voice read a voice so loud that it blew a satellite out of the sky from 2000 miles away. It said Hulk smash mm-hmm. and, and Reed is like, well, that is impressive, Tony, no disrespect <laughs> intended, but I had no idea you had those kinds of resources or frankly, the scientific know-how to sweep the depths of, of unknown space like that. And then to, <laughs> I read says, I'm kidding, Reed. I had no idea. I have, I have no idea how to do any of that. Thor's Ravens told me where Hulk is. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and reads like ravens and spider-man just hanging out with moonin and goonin or whatever the two names are oh yeah and they're just like hey yeah uh thor's fighting hulk you guys need to go <laughs> Deal with that. oh man anyway so comic stuff happens all kinds of skirmishes here and there the hulk body continues to fight thor while bruce and odin jump through some memories to figure out what's going on and then we actually find out 
what happened in El Paso. Finally. Okay. Yeah. So Bruce is in this bar. This is right after Immortal Hulk, where the two of them have like found this like balance with each other and understanding. And so they're just chilling. And then a some guy at the bar next to Bruce knocks him. And he's like, hey, sorry. He's like, it's fine. And then the guy next to him starts to Hulk out. Oh. Yeah. Like just some random bar biker guy. And he starts to turn green and rage and big. And wow. then Bruce is super confused. He's like, what? No, that's not supposed to happen. And then it spread to other people at the bar. Interesting. And yeah. And then Bruce is super confused. He doesn't know what's going on. And then his eyes turned black. And we start seeing this, like, I don't know if it's Devil Hulk or a new Hulk that that they've decided to, like, add to the repertoire. Yeah. repertoire. But basically, Bruce Banner, with his black eyes, starts fighting all these Hulked-out people. And he's, like, possessed. He can't control himself. But, mm. like he's just tearing into them and like physically tearing in the wow. sense of like ripping their arms off and biting them and like gross just yeah just lays into them takes them all out and then after all of that he burns the place down and then bruce is just sitting out in front waiting for like the authorities basically and then and then he gets compelled. And then I don't know actually what happens right after that. Because sure. while Odin is trying to help him figure out what those black eyes were and all this other stuff and what happened to get him to be like, let's yeah. leave. Iron Man shows up mm. to physically stop this entire conversation. And Iron Man shows up in his Iron man out dead celestial that he stole from Noel. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so now you have Celestial Iron Man fighting Hulk, and then Hulk gets possessed by that black thing again. And it's like, now Hulk's eyes go black, and he starts, and like, I'm, I'm getting so interested in all this, but like, he gets these like black crystal things on his like shoulders again. So we saw mm. that last volume. He yeah. starts breathing this like, red smoke out and this was the hulk's hulk right this is the hulk's hulk yeah. yeah and so it's like what what is this what is going yeah. on and then thor gets involved and is trying to figure out what's going on hulk is hulking out uh, iron man is iron manning things big big explosions big punches yeah and then hulk does his gamma eye blast cyclops thing again oh yeah tony's like since when could he do that (laughs) (laughs) it's brand new and then hulk is trying is trying to get out and all this gamma is overloading and so he said he basically does a giant gamma explosion that destroys the black hand of god okay and and that is brand new and iron man celestial is no more (laughs) it lasted (laughs) an issue poor guy (laughs) (laughs) the explosion should have been worse except thor ended up absorbing a lot of the gamma okay so now you have a hulked out thor 
Oh boy. Okay. And then, so you have Hulked out Thor versus Hulk and Tony just standing by and watching. Yeah, not much else you can do at that point. Right? Sif tries to take them to separate them so they can figure out what's going on with Thor. Thor says no and like is like grabbing onto the ground so it doesn't get sucked away. Mm-hmm. And then he breaks. He says no and not I say the He nay. says nay. No, because he's hulked. He yeah. says, uh, he says, light no take Thor is what he says. Uh, I would enjoy a mix of Hulk speak and Thor speak. Smasheth. <laughs> I smash it. Hulk smashes the, mm-hmm. but uh, he breaks the Bifrost. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. So that's the thing. Bifrost is no more. And then Zeus in Mjolnir flies Mjolnir past Thor Hulk to Hulk uh, because Odin is still inside hanging out with Banner inside the cockpit. And he's oh, like, God. I got you. And okay. then so Hulk gra- like stops Mjolnir and then slams it onto the ground. Yeah. And then so now you have a thored out Hulk. <laughs> so you have <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have a thored out Hulk and a Hulked out Thor now. And they are going to fight. Are we sure Jason Aaron didn't write this? The two, we sure. But the two of them, <laughs> no, because there would be some sort of ex- existential question That's brought into true. play. And there is yeah. none. This no. is just, let's do big, big, big punches. Big because punches. Because they punch and immediately destroy the planet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they fight, 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 comic, 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 chameleon. And then Thor, somebody opens a portal. I don't know how. I don't remember how. I thought it was sure. a, I thought it was Thor that opened the portal, but I could be wrong. Doesn't matter. They get them to Asgard and Odin Mjolnir shoves Thor out or hulked out Thor into Yggdrasil because Yggdrasil is going to burn out the gamma in Thor. Okay. And then we get Yggdrasil Hulk. Well, so, <laughs> right? But <laughs> Hulk out Thor is not happy about this. And so he like tries to break free of the vines and then he grabs Yggdrasil and like uproots it. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> and they're like uh that's not good (laughs) and then odin speaks to thor through thored out hulk and puts mjolnir on his head and it like releases him i don't fully understand Even just reading it again, it, it just says, if you would, my boy, allow me to do what all fathers are called on to do for their sons, help them with their burdens. And then Thored out Hulk puts, rests Mjolnir on Hulked out Thor's head. And okay. then a big explosion happens and sure. Thor is back to normal and Hulk sure. is back to normal. Sure. Be- yeah. So, okay. And so... Thor gets Mjolnir back and he's happy. And then Bruce takes over 
Hulk again and rebuilds his machine on the ship and flies away. And then Tony gets sent home on on Thor's goats. Oh, and then we have Hulk's Thored out armor in the armory and red eyes glow behind the helmet. Oh, okay. And that's that. That's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Hulk goes back to flying through this through space and Thor's hanging out on Asgard, but Bifrost is broken, so Wow. And they and don't even they don't even like say what they did with Yggdrasil. I feel like it's half uprooted now. Yeah. But like probably it, the next Thor volume will have to deal with that. They're fucking better. It's uh it's a good way to show just the insane consequences of an angry Hulk that can just get <laughs> yeah. so far out of hand. <laughs> yeah, it was I found it slightly disappointing, but I don't know how I would have done it differently. I get the feeling that Donny Cates comics aren't meant to be read sober. (laughs) 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 Like you kind of want to have a bit of a buzz going and you're just like, fuck yeah. Right. Okay. Fuck yeah. Okay. Fuck yeah. What I'm getting, what I'm worried about is that this is burning faster, about twice as fast as Immortal Hulk. And because Immortal Hulk, I loved. And then I felt like they kind of ran out of ideas and had to figure Mm -hmm. out how to like get it back to like a reset. No, I really get the sense that Donnie Cates doesn't hold anything back. Sure. But but (laughs) so that's the thing though, like the, because the first three books I loved. I was yeah. having a great time and yeah. they they were doing really random mm-hmm. drunk worthy things. <laughs> and then God of Hammers was odd. And then this was odd. Like I mm-hmm. feel like now they're just like, well, what are the what are the ideas that we rejected six years ago? <laughs> right. How do it's, we bring this in? <laughs> it's the I don't know fuck it stage. Yeah. And I don't I don't as yeah. Uh, it sucks because it 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 puts the like if that's going to be the last taste in my mouth it doesn't make me want to like mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't make me that excited about it like Superior Spider Man was six volumes the first three were mind blowingly amazing but the yeah. last three were not great sure <laughs> well for me as a, as a fan boy. of course yeah I get this I get the feeling that I would not really enjoy a Donny Cates book. Like he would not be my style or my speed, mm-hmm. but I also appreciate the madness when you, t- when you tell me about it, when, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're just yeah. like, and then this happened. I'm like, what? Wow. Whereas, if I, yeah, whereas if I was reading the book, I'd be like, come on, why? What is this? Right. What? And yeah. And okay. You know, and just like, kind of like this, it it would be a little more like, Actually reading it would make me want to make sense of it in a way that I'm not sure is the correct way to read it. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, Donny Cates' Thor so far is very, it's a great icebreaker mm, conversation mm-hmm. starter. Yeah. Bro, did you know <laughs> canonically Thor did this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's fun. Like mm-hmm. using 
Thor used Galactus as a bomb to kill the to kill the entity that started the that ended the last cosmos. Yeah, <laughs> that was the first <laughs> volume of Thor. <laughs> like that's our, that's our that's our that's our jumping off point. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, so it was it was it was meh. Yeah, yeah, you, you had some fun moments, but finding out. What happened at El, Pas- El Paso is yes. really my main takeaway there. Yes. And also, you know, some status quo changes for Thor coming forward with the breaking mm-hmm. of the Bifrost and the uprooting of Yggdrasil. Mm-hmm. And yeah. maybe his own potential, Thor's own potential liability as king getting hulked out gives him a certain amount of responsibility. He was not in control to make things yeah. happen in a better way. And a lot of terrible things happen to Asgard as a result. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Dark ages, dark ages. So this is a world where <laughs> pre- previously this thing that is celestial sized, basically it was going around destroying the cosmos and the living tribunal had to get involved okay. and stopped it. And then in order to imprison it, he basically pulled a null in the symbiotes and encased it inside of a planet. Okay. That planet ended up becoming earth. Ah, great. We yeah. have yet another origin story for why earth is so fucked up. Yes. Cool. It looks cool. It's yeah, giant silver and black, and then a lot of green energy. Mm-hmm. So basically, it wakes up, sure. and the Earth is starting to fall apart. And they're like, "Holy crap!" And then Uatu is like, "Hey, I know what this is. So you guys got to, you guys." Well, he says, "This is what I've been watching for," and you're like, "Shut up!" No, it's not. <laughs> but <laughs> um, so he he tells. The Fantastic Four, what's up? And so Fantastic Four gathers all the smartest minds to basically put a force together to go and deal with this. The strike team, basically. So they got Vision because a living machine to fight a living machine. The Scarlet Witch, shape of reality to fight against a being that who could unmake it. Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme to fight the pinnacle of technology. Invisible Woman to protect them from the heat of the Earth's core. And then Thing in case something needs to be punched really hard. So <laughs> Excellent. So Strange opens a portal, they go down to the core, they see how big it is, and he is, like, trying to punch through the Earth's core mantle (laughs) to get free. And so they're like, well, this isn't cool. Wakanda is feeling it, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. Nepal is falling apart. Canada falls apart. Atlantis crumbles completely. Wow. You know, heroes all over the place in Los Angeles, like the champions, the runaways, the X-Men, Avengers, everyone is running around trying to save everyone that they can. A couple quick questions. Sure. Because because this is, yeah, your, your standard, like, tearing apart of the world at, at the beginning of an alternate reality story. So you can focus on only the characters that you want to focus on without... Having readers be like, but wait, what, 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 why isn't this character doing something about this? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. When is this set? Like, cur- so current? it's, it seems pre, it, it's pre Krakoa. Okay. But post, we have a, we have Gwen Ghost Spider, we have okay. a Maz Morales, we have Lunetta, Lu, a Moon Girl. 
Yeah. So like post infinity. Okay. okay. But in this reality, Pete and MJ are married and they have a daughter, May. Ah, okay. Who has natural spider powers. Sure. Okay. It's it's one of the 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 Mayday realities. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. <laughs> so Thing goes to punch it and goes to punch the unmaker, and the unmaker's like, no. And so he <laughs> shoots it and shoots him just and obliterates him immediately. My God. Okay. Wanda attempts to reshape reality, but despite still waking to its full powers, the unmaker simply unmade everything she tried to do. And then it unmade Wanda. So she yep. falls apart. That'll Vision, do it. <laughs> uh, Vision gets super pissed, goes and phases through the unmaker's head to mm-hmm. disrupt his I get apparently in this reality at least he kind of has the same effect that Kitty would have. That Shadow Kitty, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or Kate. Meanwhile, Strange is looking for some sort of answer and he finds he opens up a portal to a dimension where no electricity could function. An electromagnetic <laughs> okay. pulse beat at the heart of this realm. The electrical being realized what was happening and lashed out and it shot a spear that pierced through Invisible Woman's force field and impaled Strange, but not after he could open the portal. Okay. And so the portal is sending out just consistent EMPs and it it turns the Unmaker off. Okay. But at what cost? But at what cost? And so now the entire planet from its core has an eternal EMP going off. Wow. And so all electronics go out. Okay. Iron Man is in the air when this is happening. All of a sudden, all of his tech fails. At the same time, a plane is falling out of the sky and they crash into each other. And <laughs> the wing, yeah, the wing of the plane takes out his leg. Oh, and so Iron Man loses a leg. That's amazing that he fly. He's he's flying. He falls. Even unpowered, the armor protects him, so that the right. only consequence <laughs> of crashing into a plane and falling thousands of feet is you lose a leg. Yep, Ant Man is stuck in giant form. Oh, because the pin particles don't work. Because they need Pacemakers, to be activated by yeah. yeah. By his suit, pacemakers around the world go uh, stop working, so a lot of okay. elderly people pass away. Viv Vision is gone. Oh yeah, Pete's web shooters don't work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was seven years ago. Okay, so you jump forward and you have a Pete with like Reed Richards hair. He's got grays on his side, uh-huh. and he has basically we're we're basically entering into a world of steampunk and basically coordinated and saved by the mutants because all of them still have their powers. <laughs> oh, right. So they are the one power source, essentially. Basically. So as, as the world started to fall apart and skirmishes and, and battles kept on waging, the heroes uh, are going around being like, we can do better than this. We can do better than this. It doesn't have to be like this. We can find peace together and yada, yada, yada. And the telepaths of the world. Well, so Charles reaches out to the entire world and is like, we can be better. And so it calms the world down. And there are 
super cities around the world who are who each have a telepath living there as like the communication center. Hmm. And so they'll just be like, you know, Brazil checking in, Australia checking in, Nepal checking in, Wakanda checking in. And Wakanda is the capital of Earth because it took the least damage because the vibranium absorbed most of the impacts from the Unmaker. (laughs) Sure. So they are the even more so the most advanced (laughs) city right now. And so uh, you have people like um, Lunella Lafayette, Shuri, Tony Stark, Valeria, T'Challa, Nadia Van Dyne, Amadeus Cho, Victor Von Doom, all trying to reimagine what the world can be and how to bring light back Interesting. to the world. And let's see, they dreamed of lighting and refrigeration, whole new systems of food production and preservation, shelter and governance. Together, they created post-apocalyptic utopia. They use, they have chemiluminescence from these little like light bulbs and stuff. And then because the world goes dark at night, the vampires have gone rampant. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so the different super cities are patrolled by people like Elsa Bloodstone, hunters like Wolverine and Gabby, specific vampire hunters like Blade, and they defend the world against vampires. Cool. Anyway, the plot continues by Tony and Pepper in a in a cave trying to work on some sort of new invention. Cap shows up and is like, hey, let's take a walk. I think I found a way to like save the world. And he's like, sure. And he brings Tony to Apocalypse. <laughs> and oh. yeah. What? And so and Apocalypse has teamed up with Dracula. And the fuck? Yeah. And then it turns out that that cap was actually mystique and they take him away to God, where did they go? Where did they go? Doesn't matter. Uh, Where's the Louvre? France? Paris. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Paris. So (laughs) take him away to Paris. And (laughs) haven't you been there? No, (laughs) no, I haven't. Okay. (laughs) But they take, so Apocalypse is like, Tony, welcome to the new future. Check this out. They have electricity. And huh. Tony's like, how the hell are you doing this? And Reed Richards is there. And Franklin is there. And other people who throughout the last seven years, people thought have died are there. And you kind of get this overall picture of there is the apocalypse's state yeah, and they're kind of the antagonists, and Wakanda is the good guys, right? And Apocalypse has oh, sorry, Tony's like, what's going on? You'd have to have a, this giant Faraday cage in order to do this, and and like, there's no source power source big enough to make something this large, right? It's like, well, actually, you'd need you'd need a strong enough magnetic field in order to do this. Uh, there we and, go. And he's like, you need something for this. What, what is something? And then, and the pockets is like, not something, someone. someone. Yeah. And so yep. they've got Magneto chained up and continually letting out this giant magnetic pulse that gives this entire room electricity. Huh. Having a hard time understanding apocalypse's angle here, but I, ah. So, uh, <laughs> Apocalypse's angle 
is when the Unmaker first woke up, Apocalypse tried to take over his its mind mm. so he could ascend to celestial level yeah. beingness. And so <laughs> he wants to figure out how to reawaken the Unmaker so he could take it over. Uh, and be the unmaker and use and steal its like power. Interesting. So that's his idea here. Mm, oh, also, so there's this, <laughs> you're almost going to bust out a meanwhile. I was about to. So the other the other uh, geniuses that are working there are working there because Kilgrave uh, works for Apocalypse and is telling them to mm. do it. So that's. The primary conflict is you have people in super cities and you have geniuses in Wakanda and geniuses working for Apocalypse. Apocalypse has energy, electricity, and wants to reawaken the Unmaker. Yes. Because that portal to the EMP place dimension is still open. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I mean, I guess you wouldn't want to go and close it. Because, you know, Unmaker. But, like, there's plenty of other magic users. I feel like they could have figured something out. But not a big deal. Anyway, Pepper or Tony doesn't didn't come back that night. And so Pepper goes and reports to them. And so the hunters go out and they go and they see that they smell Apocalypse. And they smell Dracula. Mm-hmm. And, and so they know what's going on. And so Quicksilver does a recon mission. Runs to Apocalypse's place just to see what's going on so he can come back and report and so they can yeah. figure the shit out. Sees his dad. He freaks out. But not his dad. But kind of his dad. But not his dad. Yeah. But kind of his dad. But not. No. Right. Exactly. Kind of. Yeah. He freaks out. He gets stopped. And then Paul was like, no, we're going to let him go. But uh, we'll send a message. And so they purple man him and then have him come uh, back and attack the throne room. Immediately snaps Okoye's neck. Okay. And then steals Okoye's spear and impales Johnny Storm. Okay. And then, and that was, that gave Gene enough time to put him to sleep. And then Johnny lo- loses control of his fire, his flame powers. And so he's about to burn out. And Johnny's like, I'm trying to, ke- I'm trying to contain, I'm trying to contain it. Sue, you got to yeah. get everyone out of here. And she's like, I'm not leaving you. And so Sue puts him in, a, puts everyone in a bubble and she, and she protects herself and then she like holds Johnny as he like burns to a crisp. Oh, and it was it's brutal. so heartbreaking. Oh my yeah. god. And then they talk she she protects the top half of Pietro and lets his legs burn. Oh. Which is wild. <laughs> so so anyway. Pietro's in a bed and they go and talk to him and he's like, yeah, actually Reed was there. And she's like, excuse me. And then like, yep. And then so now they need to go. And then Apocalypse is like, okay, we need to be ready. So Venom go and deal with this. And so it's this Venom and Carnage symbiote on the same person. Oh, we don't shit. know who it is. Okay. And they're going to go and like be the greeting party. The helicarrier, no longer helis. <laughs> just carries. <laughs> so it's a giant, just regular aircraft carrier with giant turbines on the sides. I don't know why they need to take those off. Yeah. But they're using it to help refugees leave Europe and come to Wakanda. Okay. And it is captained by Nightcrawler. <laughs> okay. He gets to live out his swashbuckling fantasies, sure. <laughs> it's manned primarily by Madrox. 
Nice. They weigh anchor with Colossus. <laughs> they have giant sails that Aurora pushes. Of course. They come back. They find out about what's going on in Europe. And so they all go and go, I want to go and deal with apocalypse in Europe. Sure. Uh, other notable fun things. There, Fing Fang Foom is in the Mediterranean Sea. But he is he has been tamed and is being ridden by <laughs> giant man by Ant Man <laughs> by Scott. Okay. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> and that's really cool. Turns out that the the vet the Venom Carnage symbiotes are are attached to an adult Miles. Morales. Oh, oh, okay. And he tries to attack the the party in the middle of the night. The Wolverines find him first, and because they smell him, and they're trying, they go and deal with that. And he, you know, overpowers them because that's yeah. two symbiotes, and they they don't stand a chance against the steampunk flame-throwing Iron Man suit that Pepper is wearing okay. and Storm's Thunder. <laughs> okay. They make quick work nice. of him. They meet up with Deadpool. He's like the like greeter liaison there. Okay. And he's really happy to see Gabby because they're besties. Oh. But, <laughs> but Spider-Man's web shooters don't go thwip anymore. They go thwap. Uh, uh. Because they're not electric operated. Yeah. Yeah. And so when he thwaps Deadpool in the middle of the fight, just goes, wait, 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 what was that? (laughs) And he's like, could you not be you right now, please? He's like, no, but, but your web shooters, they go thwap. (laughs) Wait, not now. He goes, thwap. He just goes back to the battle. Just uh, fun little stuff like that. Anyways. So Miles talks about how he he found the Venom symbiote and they were helping each other when the EMP stuff first happened and then Carnage showed up and got taken over, yada, yada, yada. Oh, gods. In order to do this plan, so basically what they want to do, Apocalypse's team, as proof of their Faraday cage idea, they want to go and just put the Unmaker in a Faraday cage. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, they would need um, some adamantium. Oh, no big deal. And Apocalypse is like, I can, can get that anywhere. That. Yeah. So he has Wolverine like locked up in a cave. Okay. And he teleports Scott and Purple Man down there. And he's just like, all right, let's remove your visor. Purple Man says, open your eyes. And he just launches, he just opens up a full blast at Wolverine. Wolverine is charging through it, trying to get through and says, you know, Wolverine's bones were coated with adamantium, but everything holding him together, his muscles, his tendons, mm-hmm. not so much. And so Optic blasts him down to a clean, preserved skeleton of adamantium. That's pretty brutal. Yeah. Gives it to Tony to use to try to reorganize and make yeah. this fair to cage. The final attack consists of Devil Dinosaur, Deadpool, Pe- uh, Pepper in her Iron Man suit, Blade, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Roman Monroe, Gabby, Dr. Doom, 
Laura Kinney and Spider-Man and Storm. And then the Defenders under Purple Man's influence are Beast, She-Hulk, Captain Marvel, Captain America, Dracula, Cyclops, Psylocke, and Lady Deathstrike. Hmm. At least it seems like... I don't know who this is. She's black, but she's got... A costume and fingernails like Lady Deathstrike. Huh. But her hair is a lot like Frenzy. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, skirmish, skirmish, skirmish. <laughs> Deadpool shoots Purple Man in the head. Okay. Jessica gets mad. <laughs> and he was like, what? It's like, Jess and Luke were going to knock him unconscious. That was the plan. And Deadpool's <laughs> like, I didn't hear the plan. I was driving the bus. Oh, man, Jess, I feel like I robbed you of some much-needed catharsis here. You want to <laughs> kick his corpse a bit? Or <laughs> uh, <laughs> just fun Deadpool stuff being Deadpool. Nice. Anyway, point is, Doom makes a deal with Dracula. So, okay, the heroes okay. are freed from Purple Man. Doom makes a deal with Dracula. Yeah. Don't know what it is. And they assault Apocalypse and Dracula turns Apocalypse. Apocalypse. <laughs> okay. By turning him into a vampire, he is no longer invulnerable. And so then immediately Blade comes in and stabs him through the heart with a with a wooden whatever. Also gets Dracula because it's like immediately after the bite and then sure. chops off both of their heads. <laughs> okay. So, Very efficient. You know, yeah. So good guys win. And then Reed and Sue have their moment. Tony and Pepper have their moment. Yeah. Magneto is saved from the Faraday cage. And then they go off and continue to try to build this better world. Like, it wasn't... It's very interesting in the sense that, like, it's not like we're going to end the world or, like... Right, yeah. Create some new giant apocalyptic situation or anything like that. It's like, seven years ago... Bad shit happened, yep. and then this is us surviving. And because it's from Pete's perspective, he's like putting a bright spin on like mm. thriving in a post-apocalyptic world. Sure. And you know they apocalypse is going to do some stupid shit, <laughs> and you know the heroes banded together and dealt with it, and we're going to continue thriving in this post-apocalyptic world. Nice. Very interesting. Yeah. It wasn't like wasn't mind-blowing or anything but it was a it was a fun read sure and then spider-man spider's shadow yes this takes place basically right after he got the black suit so okay. 80s the War. original x-men had just created x-factor and they're in their okay. x-factor costumes yep iron man is in his silver centurion armor oh yeah a real time and place <laughs> yeah pete and mj are broken up they don't have they haven't said the whole I love you thing yet. Mm. Pete and Black Cat are kind of a thing, are basically a thing as far as like placement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you start off with black suit Spidey going around his life as Peter Parker is shit, but what else is new? Yeah. Still figuring out what's going on with his new suit. And now he has unlimited webbing and it's so weird and so crazy. <laughs> and he's just tired and he's at wit's end. And then he sees Hobgoblin. And so he stops Hobgoblin and he's starting to lose his cool. And Pete removes his mask mm-hmm. and he finds out that he's Roderick Kingsley. Yeah. And he's like, what are you doing? And, he's, and, and 
he starts getting this voice in his head of like, kill him, kill him, kill him, mm. scare him, put, put, you know, get your power through fear, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And cause Kingsley's just like, listen, I just wanted some more power. And he's like, you want power? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I'm gonna let you go. Tell everyone Spider-Man is playing for keeps. Okay. And he's like, um, okay. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to go and get checked out by Reed Richards. See what's going yeah. on. So, Reed does the scans and he finally takes advantage of this opportunity to go to sleep in his sleep. He's been having nightmares and seems mm-hmm. to be the same nightmare all the time. Yada, yada, yada. Anyway, so he leaves back to the building and goes and sees Aunt May. He's being trailed by Hobgoblin because uh, Kingsley wants his revenge. He's like, well, if you're going to unmask me, right. I'm going to unmask you. Okay. And so he basically attacks Aunt May's apartment while he's there. Oh, shit. And Kingsley's like, oh, your name's Peter. Aw. And so, like, because Aunt May is like, Peter and Hobgoblin's like, oh, Peter, Spider Peter, save me. And then Pete is like, okay, this, okay, okay, this is it. So, Punches him, and then Hobgoblin's like, "Listen, you you ruined me. You th- how dare you unmask me and threaten me and all this other stuff? You ruined the game that we have." Blah 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 blah. Sure. And Spider-Man's like, "You think this is a fucking game?" And so he starts punching him out, and then he's like, "Oh wait, I need to go and save May." But then it, the apartment's on fire, and so the symbiote doesn't want to go in, and so he sends out a bunch of tendrils to like keep him from going inside to save mm. Aunt May. And then explosion goes off. So Aunt May passes away. And the suit is like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're sorry. He's like, no. He's, and then he just says, he did this. And, he, and then Pete's like, he did this. Mm-hmm. And so he uh, webs him up. And then he goes, he he gets his like his venom look. Okay. It's yeah. basically venom, but with no mouth. Sure. And he... <laughs> he gets all these voices convincing him this is the right thing to do and he he pulls a mountain from Game of Thrones oh. takes out his eyes first and then crushes his head Oh, still oh, so brutal yeah. still yeah and Pete's just like uh, I have the power it's time to use it so that is that he gets pissed so you know Hobgoblin is dead and Spider-Man is the alleged murderer. And so Daily Bugle puts out a thing to be like, ha ha, I was right. Spider-Man's murderer. So Spider-Man doesn't like that. So he goes, sure. he confronts Jonah and he, and he breaks his hand against the wall. And he's like, if you put my name in, if I see my name in your you know thing and yeah. again, you know, there will, I'll come back and break you your other hand. Meanwhile, Fantasma Reed is still studying the symbiote and he's like, this isn't good. It's like a living thing. It seems to be affecting the way Spider-Man acts. I don't like this. We need to, we need to help him. We need to stop him. Sure. Kingpin is like, well, Spider-Man is acting up. We need to deal with this. So he sends, he puts out a hit on him, basically. Shocker and, and Scorpion try to go and deal with them. They get absolutely destroyed. Spider-Man puts puts the symbiote down Scorpion's throat and um, chokes him to death. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then he rips Shocker's arms off (laughs) and brings Scorpion's tail and Shocker's arms to Kingpin's feet. Oh my God. Like you need to stop doing this. And he's like, and Kingpin says that he figured out that 
Peter Parker is Spider-Man because of where Hobgoblin was killed and blah, blah, blah. And Kingpin talks about how now that I figured out who you are, like I was going to start threatening your loved ones and all this other stuff if you didn't leave me alone, but you don't have anyone. Uh-huh. You don't have a girlfriend. You don't have any more family left. And in the middle of his monologue, Pete just punches through his face. Oh, okay. It's yeah. it's not on screen, but like he punches and yes. blood's coming out yes. <laughs> the side of the screen. My God. Okay. Yeah. So the Sinister Six are trying to figure out what they're going to do. Otto is on a conference call with Mysterio and Craven and Electro and Rhino, and they have been brought together and hired by J. Jonah Jameson to be like, he needs to be stopped. I've always said it, and he's a killer. Uh, he, like, I don't want to work with you guys, but if I have to, that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. One of Octavius's henchmen ends up being Eddie Brock and Eddie stabs him in the back and kills him because if anyone's going to kill Spider-Man, it's going to be Eddie. Sure. All right. <laughs> so, so they all meet up at the meeting point, meeting place, except instead of Otto, it's, it's Eddie with the, with the octopus arms. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, so we have a plan on how to deal with Spider-Man. Uh, we already sent, we already sent uh, a message to the bug to deal with it. And it was beetle and mm. beetle is now dead. Jeez. And yeah. And the body counts, the, the body counts of these alternate alt reality comics where it's just like, yeah, we can just really off mm-hmm. everybody. We're not using these toys again. Absolutely. Cap and Reed are talking about how would they need to do something? The sinister six set their trap, but Spider-Man is digging down into the ground and because uh, hmm. they're they're at like a cabin in the woods kind of thing. Sure. And so Mysterio's illusions don't really work under the ground. And he takes out Craven and then he well no, he doesn't he doesn't take out Craven. He knocks Craven out and then he kills Mysterio and then Rhino charges him and he punches Rhino so hard that his horn gets snapped off. <laughs> and then Eddie with the arms tries to attack and Pete's like, I don't even know who the hell you are, buddy. <laughs> While he's in the middle of killing Electro, fire a fire goes off in the cabin and he gets distracted and Craven's like, ah, there it is. Fear. Okay. Put him in the fire. You need to put him in the fire. So then J. Jonah Jameson in his Spider Slayer mm. robot or being <laughs> con- controlling his Spider Slayer robot right. grabs Pete and runs into the cabin while it's on fire. Puts his face. Craven throws out a, a web on top of him, a net, mm-hmm. and then explosion goes off, and the symbiote starts to burn away. And Pete shows up, and J- and Jameson's like Parker. Oh no, he had no idea. Uh-huh. And so after after the symbiote burns off, he leaves with Pete from the thing. And Craven's like, many were lost, but the hunt is concluded, and he's gonna stab. He's going to kill Peter, and then Jameson physically stops him, mm-hmm. knocks him out. And so he's taking Peter to back to the city, and Pete's like, I don't even, uh, like, I can still hear the symbiote. It's, I don't think it's dead. And he's like, well, we're going to take you to someone that can help. And so takes him to his place. Mary Jane uh, and Black Cat are, are there, and they're trying to help him out. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. The, 
the symbiote leaves. It, it turns out it was trailing on the back of the van and goes back to the Baxter building and okay. takes over Reed Richards. Oh, no. Uh-huh. And then using Reed Richards's mind and tech starts duplicating and cloning the symbiote and blending it with unstable molecules. Okay. Yeah. So then takes over Ben Grimm and then Pete puts his regular suit back on and then heroes. Oh, Franklin is also like a child. Franklin's born. Valeria is not here yet. Yeah. 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 But so Sue's going, uh, Sue is uh, carrying Franklin in every scene that she's in. She Hulk is an Avenger. Mm -hmm. The, The giant black symbiote takes over the Baxter building. Um, looking straight out of Spider-Man Web of Shadows, <laughs> Pete and Human and Johnny and Mary Jane storm the Baxter building okay. to go to try to free Reed and Ben. Symbiote Ben fights and tries to take them out. Pete is losing. Pete sends Ben out onto the street where Iron Man, Beast, Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Cap, Thor, She-Hulk, Invisible Woman, and Iceman are waiting for him so they can deal with him (laughs) while Johnny comes across symbiote fantastic. Oh, yeah. Looking real nasty. Yep. Yeah. And they have a fight. In response to the fight, Reed, symbiote Reed sends out some of his clones and takes over all the heroes that were outside. And so they become symbiotized. <laughs> and then Pete comes up with a plan. And there's like there's a chase out of the Baxter building and then a chase back into the Baxter building. Pete convinces Symbiote Reed that the symbiote wants Pete and not Reed. And he's like, fine, you're right. So I'll come back over to you. But Reed is too smart. So he kills Reed on his way out. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Sure. And so Pete's like, no. And he runs back and he runs into the inside the Baxter building lab. He's like, you can't run from me. There's, there's nothing in the, I made sure before I left that I got rid of all the weapons mm-hmm. that can take me out. And he's like, yeah, it's fine. And then he gets on him. And as he's about to get on him, turns out that it was an image inducer and it's actually Johnny and he flames on nice. and burns away the symbiote by taking out the prime symbiote, all the other, Clone symbiotes go away because hive mind stuff, argument, sure. whatever. Pete goes to court, gets represented by Matt Murdock. Mm-hmm. It gets he gets dismissed as not guilty because of the symbiote and uh. the testimonies testimonies from the other heroes who were possessed by the symbiotes, knowing what it felt like sure. to not be in control, and then. The end of it, Sue offers Pete a place on the Fantastic Four, huh. since Reed is no longer around. Right, um, and that's that. So it was not the story that I thought it was going to be. <laughs> what did you think it was going to be? <laughs> I, I legit thought it was going to be like a world where evil Spider-Man takes over. Oh, okay, sure. But they kept more true to like a Peter Parker. Closer to like a 616 Pete. Sure. That yeah. just had slightly less willpower than 616. Right. One or two more things went wrong along yeah. the way. Yeah. So that was uh, interesting. I, I legitimately, it was weird getting 
like somebody, Paul, Paul Hoppy, mm-hmm. friend of the friend show, of the show. Has mentioned a lot that whenever you see an alternate universe, it's always super dark, and it's always yes. all, all of the alternate universe heroes are usually terrible or bad guys. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and so I went into this both this and Dark Ages, assuming yeah. it was going to be like a worst case scenario kind of, of a course. story. Yeah, and both of them end with like the heroes being reinvigorated and <laughs> ready to take on the next, next battle. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> but with a lot of irreparable carnage done along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Some uh, lives were lost. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was a, it was a fun read. Nice. I liked dark ages more than spiders shadow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> there's only so much you can really, from from my perspective, you can really say about all universe yeah. characters, but you know, I guess depending on how popular they are, they can get used from in other stories down the line. Sure. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they were they were fun reads. Nice. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah, I went deep into the history. Right. Uh, so let's start with X Men: Children of the Atom, and. Yeah. For both this and The Hidden Years, it's interesting. These are both set in 616. So they're, you know, keeping continuity more or less intact here, despite kind of diving into older uh, stories. And a, a couple things ended up different, but they're relatively small. But the other thing is like fashion, slang, tech. Like you both ended up with a very weird mix of like 60s and 90s. Right. You know, like they're wearing like t-shirts and relaxed fit jeans and like there's a PC every once in a while or like cordless phones. But like they they're in the danger room and it's all like beep bop boop robots and stuff like that. (laughs) Giant pistons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part, it worked, especially... In uh, Children of the Atom, which is just the art I thought was really, really clean. Just kind of like really mixed this sort of Silver Age 60s art aesthetic with a good clean line work. And and I don't know, it just it it popped. It, It worked really well. And so it starts off with this scene between Professor Xavier and uh, FBI agent Fred Duncan, who is a very minor character in the original X-Men run. It's basically like he's introduced at cer- at a certain point and is like, "Yeah, uh I I know an FBI agent and, and he he makes sure we're cool with the government." <laughs> and that's kind of it, okay. right? He's the, he's the Avengers Gyrich. Gyrich, Gyrich. Yeah, but it it it's kind of it you know, you, you see him once and it's like, yep, that's our that's our guy, Fred Duncan. And he ended <laughs> up getting a more interesting sort of backstory after the fact. Like he was uh, killed at a certain point. He was killed off. And then the executioner, Carl Denty, was actually his partner and wow. was angry at the loss, blah, blah, blah. And used that as his um, 
as his sort of motivation to to kill the mutants who kill. But anyway, he he wasn't much of a character ever on his own. It was cool to see him fleshed out here. Basically, his supervisors at the FBI are like, this whole mutant thing is starting to come together. Like some kid in Missouri just like burned down a whole town, right? Like we need to be on top of this and like reacting with the usual amount of paranoia and hatred. And and then Xavier just kind of shows up in his office and is like, I know you don't agree with that. And he's like, who the hell are you? How did you get here? Are you reading my mind? He's like, yeah, of course, but it's fine. I I know that you aren't anti-mutant and let's work together. Even though at a certain point, like he's like, you know, he, he might be manipulating me, but I do feel this way about, you know, this sort of witch hunt towards mutants. So let's, let's just put a pin in that and keep operating as normal. One of Duncan's superiors at a certain point also says like, oh yeah, that guy, uh, there's this guy Trask who is also looking at this mutant question and is developing robot technology that we should take a look at. Anyway, there's also this real neo-Nazi looking um, bigoted, you know, militia leader named Metzger, I think William Metzger. And he is, you know, he's on all of the talk show circuit Uh, throughout the series. They have him on, and this is again with like the, the blend of nineties references. He's on uh, a Jerry Springer uh, or no, he's not on the Jerry Springer, but they, they sort of talk about him. I've noticed that lately they've been name dropping actual brands. Oh yeah, like the Children of the Atom current or the the La- the Krakoa Children of the Atom. Yeah, yeah. They were posting on YouTube and not U Rocks. Oh, interesting. Anymore. I think I think it kind of goes all yeah, kind of goes all over the place, right? Right, but like back in the day, like it was, it was always like it's not PlayStation, it's like a play a play box or oh, like right. yeah, a- anything that's like a an off brand. <laughs> dollar store version of all of the like big name stuff and now they just name drop the actual thing yeah totally i wonder if there was changing company policies on that like right yeah i will like i feel i feel like the mcu is like it's big enough now we can right. pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh but anyway it's a terry dingler talk show mm. and where yep. like it's it's a guy who's like you know like a, the son is a mutant and then his his dad's like you're no son of mine like, no i love you and everybody's throwing things and fighting and and terry dingler is like I, you know i'll be back for my final thought after this final thoughts <laughs> terry terry yes you have a, a woman a black woman named star on a show called the vista She's interviewing Metzger. And th- these are all interspersed throughout. Uh, you have Tom Brokaw's uh, NBC News, The Fleecing of America. You've got Politically Inept with Bill Zarr. Uh, and he's got <laughs> Metzger and Reed Richards as guests. You've got wow. Who Wants to Be Omnipotent with Reggie Fillmore. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, Oh, and Empty Minutes uh, instead of 60 Minutes. And so, you know, it's kind of parodic, but also 
extremely 90s. Right. It's showing like the reach that Metzger's got. Like the Yes. The platform that he's running on. Yeah. And it's kind of this whatever, like the Dark Knight kind of did this a lot in comics first of like, let's show the news media reacting to all the things that are going on and set the stage mm-hmm. and and the sort of yeah, they're kind of doing that thing here, but in the most 90s way possible. And we also kind of get a, a sense of where all of the characters are, the, the, the X-Men characters. Angel is, he he's done his first sort of like thing in at a boarding school in New England where, you know, it was like his first uh, time he used his powers, he like saved people from his like fellow students from a dorm building that was on fire or something. And then he started suiting up in Manhattan and becoming a solo hero by the name of the avenging angel. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he like, you know, the first mission he goes out, he stops a mugger. Next time he goes out, he gets hunted by a sentinel, which kind of fritzes out in the middle of the fight, etc. There's also Jean who, you know, as is consistent with the the previous continuity, she has been, she's basically mostly homebound. Like she has so many issues with her powers flaring up and like tossing things all over the place, causing disasters that she doesn't really leave the house very much. But Xavier is, you know, sort of like a, a mentor and she's a patient of his to try and, you know, get her in control of her powers and also deal with some of this childhood drama trauma from being in her friend's mind when her friend died in a car accident. And then Charles also gets hooked up by a Fred Duncan with a fake identity as Charles Alexander to be a guidance counselor at a high school in uh, the town of Hempstead on Long Island, which is a hilarious coincidence because I was just there three days ago to do an escape room. But (laughs) anyway, it is a real, I haven't seen so many like Trump bumper stickers and blue lives matter (laughs) flags. Wow. In a whole lot of other parts of, you know, around New York, it's, it's really that kind of place. But anyway, all of Basically, everyone else is a school is a student at the the local high school there. This is kind of the biggest continuity bend that they did. Bobby grew up in Hempstead, of course. Scott, you know, was born in Alaska, grew up in the orphanage at Nebraska, and then in regular continuity, at a certain point, you know, he caused a big disaster in Nebraska hopped a freight train and got sort of taken in by this uh, criminal named Jack Winters, alias Jack O'Diamonds, who uses him for his powers to do petty crimes and, you know, abuses him, beats him uh, if he doesn't comply. So they stuck with that. They just had Jack O'Diamonds and Scott end up in Hempstead and he enrolls at the high school there, which was never clarified in you know, in original continuity. The biggest break is that instead of being a college student at Bard College up in upstate New York, in actually the same town where Gene grew up, Hank is a high school student at that high school. At Hempstead? At the Hempstead High School, yeah. Okay. 
And so Bobby is the freshman who's always cold. Hank is the high school football hero who pretends to not be as smart as he is in order to fit in and not cause, you know, everyone's kind of looks the other way about his large hands and feet and his athletic gifts. If he can continue winning high school, you know, football games for them. And Scott is just absolutely scrawny as hell and, you know, holes in all his clothes and looking bedraggled and, and abused, quite frankly. Yeah. And there's also these sort of like bullies, these Nazi punks or, you know, Nazi white nationalist creeps who adopt the punk aesthetic, which makes them not real punks, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) hashtag not my punk. There were, you know, there was a real problem with Nazi punks and various times throughout history but anyway these kids starkey reuben and chad they like attack bobby in the bathroom they're fought off by hank they go to a metzger rally they get a gun to kill hank uh, but starkey doesn't join them for this Uh, in the middle of a football game they post up on top of the bleachers to to shoot hank hank notices the laser sight jumps all the way up there in one leap to stop them and Ruben falls off and dies. Chad goes to Starkey's place after finds out he's begun displaying mutant powers. He's getting all like gross and visibly mutated and everyone Mm. always comments on how much he smells. (laughs) As a result of this, Hank gets kicked off the football team. He's outed as a mutant. He gets death threats. Everyone's like, why don't you just, you know, we can't officially suspend you, but just get lost for a while. Xavier is having these initial meetings with Scott and Hank, and they reject him at first. (laughs) He's a real weirdo, too. And then after another superhero trip gone sideways, Magneto comes to recruit Angel, reveals that he was the one who destroyed the Sentinel, who made it like Fritz out Ah. and stuff. You know, in the meantime, the media has been accusing uh, Warren of being a mutant. And then later this clan mob shows up like outside his bedroom window with like a burning X and they burn his, his mansion down. They shoot it up. Chuck enters to the rescue, you know, freezes everybody telepathically gets angel out of the situation. And he's like, uh, Hey, I have a school, right? So we're doing that for basically everybody. Jack winters plots a heist in a decommissioned nuclear plant stopped by Xavier who gets Scott Scott decides to crash with Xavier and recruits uh, Hank after the whole football incident and so Xavier kind of starts off as a real asshole already you know like he he just yells at them constantly he's like you want to have a nice normal life but you can't so get used to it the one potential recruit who never even says no is Bobby Bobby's like starting to like he go he's in the garage and it's like his powers are flaring out of control and he's just in this giant ice bath and Xavier's like you gonna do this he's like yeah let's get the (laughs) fuck out of here (laughs) so the FBI is like getting closer to Metzger uh, and also to Trask the that Sentinel launch was unauthorized but they're like hey we could use this you know we recovered the technology and we 
we kind of reverse engineered the mutant tracker at least a little bit and we found like one or two including this one in upstate this town called annandale on hudson that's gene's house meanwhile after running away from starkey after running away from home Starkey gets attacked by some homeless people because he's just so gross and he's a mutant. Everyone hates mutants, of course, blah, blah, blah. Magneto comes for him, too, to recruit him, and, and he refuses. And he's like, I'm going to kill you, Muty. Like, he's, he's still not—he's still in denial and he's not facing the reality of a situation. Chad, the, the last surviving human Nazi punk, rats uh, Starkey out to the FBI— and the mob captures him. They also, there's this big giant slab of a henchman that Metzger has, who the FBI is just like, oh, we we can like make people superheroes sometimes. So let's just like, you know, zap you full of whatever and you're even stronger and and invulnerable or whatever, right? So, th- so that's a that's a thing that happens, which is hilarious. <laughs> So yeah, they the mob takes Starkey to Gene's place or, or, or captures both of them basically, takes them somewhere else. Xavier finds out, goes to save her without the students. Uh he's like, You you are the students, I'm the teacher, you do what I say when I say, stay the fuck home, do not follow me. They say, fuck it, let's go anyway. Scott does this like immediate 180 from a meek pawn of a criminal to, you know heroic leader of men (laughs) magneto also shows up in the middle of this fight and takes on the the henchman guy one-on-one and kills him they save gene starkey dies in their arms turns out he had empathic powers tells charles he's quote a lot like the guy in the cape aka magneto he's got to let go of the hate all right we get the central metaphor of x-men yeah Magneto flies Metzger up into space and just throws him. And he's, that's it. Oh. Yep. <laughs> oh. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. In the very final page, Gene gets a cab to the school, and that's where X-Men number one starts. Cool. Yeah, it was cool. I, I liked this one a lot. Yeah, fine. It was It was a cool way to to tell a classic story with modern storytelling techniques and really kind of like set the tone in a way that's a little more character driven and a little more like um, just a little more focused, I guess, than Mm -hmm. sort of was the way that sixties comics were written. X-Men, the hidden years was very different in tone. It was very much invested in keeping the tone of sixties comics going. And it, it's, it really is like a an exact continuation. So it picks up right where X-Men 66 left off. They finish fighting the Hulk. They get a device that Banner was subconsciously trying to lead them to to get uh, Xavier out of his coma because Xavier had just finished they'd just done the arc where xavier faked his own death to save the earth from the xenox and he had Mm -hmm. been presumed dead for quite a while actually and so they have like this whole recap where they go through all of the things 
that he missed out on a fight against this guy named grotesque who you don't have to care about at all the funeral for fake charles xavier who was actually changeling who would be morph in Mm -hmm. aoa and other timelines Mm -hmm. kevin sydney first appearance of lorna dane and fighting against mesmero Magneto claiming to be Lorna's father for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) The team meeting Alex Summers for the first time. Apparently Scott knew about Alex, but it kept Xavier was like, you keep this a secret for some reason. And so he did. And then Alex is taken prisoner by the living Pharaoh, who their powers are connected for some reason. And the connection turns Living Pharaoh and the Living Monument, blah, 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 fighting another fight against Sentinels, Larry Trask, Bolivar's son, with his second iteration of Sentinels, first appearance of Sauron, Carl Lycos, mm. first appearance of the Savage Land in Kazar, and first appearance of Sunfire. And that's about it. So that's the uh that's all the recap. <laughs> It's just an interesting re reassessment of like the things that happened at the tail end of that first run of X-Men. Mm-hmm. I, I had forgotten a lot of stuff happened like right at the end before it was canceled, and a lot of nothing happened in between. Like one through issues like one through eight or one through sixteen or something were the only ones that I think one through eight had uh, Jack Kirby on it. One through 16 had Stan Lee and they like introduced a bunch of like useful concepts and then nothing until like issue 55 or something. And then they piled on a bunch of these other, the the things that I just, you know, described at the Mm -hmm. end before it got canceled. Sorry, you were going to say something. I was, I was just going to, how many issues was this? Cause that was all over the place. Was that one issue? No, the recap that was recapping like maybe 15 issues. Mm. Yeah. Okay. 10, 15, something like that. Got it. Each of those was probably one issue. So maybe less than that. But anyway, I should also say that this is also 90s and cultural references. Uh, Beast makes a Steven Spielberg reference. The whole thing is done by John Byrne, who was the artist for a ton of uh, Chris Claremont's run and was the creator of Alpha Flight and like a, had a long run as writer and artist on like um, Fantastic Four and stuff. So kind of a, a 70s, 80s comics legend mm-hmm. and controversial figure today, to say the least. <laughs> but yeah, back to the story. Bobby leaves the team because Xavier faked his death, betrayed his trust. Professor, you know, reads their memories of the recap, has them... Stands Bobby, Lorna, and Alex return to the Savage Land to verify that Magneto really died while they were mm-hmm. they confronted him there. Of course he didn't. But while they're there, they discover this giant industrialized city where people don't die and is governed by these albino Sauron-looking types called the Nugari. And the whole city is sustained by slave labor. The local tribes of the Savage Land consider it their mythical land of the dead, where they send their old and infirm to live forever in paradise. It's turned, it turns out that there are 
you know, radioactive lava currents or something, blah, 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 that do heal all illnesses at a certain point. Scott takes an arrow through the heart and then it just heals. Yeah. But with the side effects, uh, and it also gives everybody low level telepathy, but with the side effect of slowly turning the inhabitants into these albino Sauron looking types. Like full pterodactyl wings, uh, gaunt, etc. Uh, and of course, Magneto's still there and he's manipulating shit. Eventually, there's a short fight, climactic escape, escape from an exploding volcano city. Magneto escapes again. They all get away together on a floating balloon craft, like a Zeppelin type of thing. Gene is trying to hold it to- together telekinetically in a cool like pre-reference to when she was first contacted by the Phoenix, when she was trying to hold the space shuttle mm-hmm. together when they on re-entry. Anyway, it doesn't work. The thing falls apart and they have to lash themselves to the balloons themselves and, and they float away, but they get scattered by the wind. Hank takes a nap, wakes up all the way <laughs> in fucking Kenya Oh, at the feet of... A Roro Monroe. Oh. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Gateway. No. No, he's Australia. He is Australia. He's Aborigine. Okay. My best <laughs> guess is that's about 7,000 miles. <laughs> it's a long way. Yeah. <laughs> to float on and out. Like, okay. So, having experienced something relatively similar, I guess I get it. <laughs> you were tied to a, a balloon. <laughs> No, going to sleep and waking up in another place. Okay, that's a very different thing. I went to bed in in my bed, and I woke up in the back of a car in Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Do you not know this story? No. Oh, well, that happened. (laughs) Yeah, I was was like eight or nine, and I went to bed, and my my mom or my parents wanted to go to Vegas, I guess. So... (laughs) They put me in the back of the car while what I was asleep. Fuck? We drove to Vegas and I woke up in the parking lot. My mom was outside of the car waiting for me to wake up. And she's like, hey, we're in Vegas. <laughs> so <laughs> again, wild. So Hank <laughs> taking a nap and waking up in another part of the world. Like conceptually, I kind of I get it. <laughs> 7,000 miles away, blown on a little breeze. Yeah. It's a hell of a breeze, but yeah. Aurora's there. <laughs> and yeah, he's literally right at her feet. Interesting. And he's like, oh no, I've been separated by, you know, from, from Scott and Gene and Warren, who was trying to fly and didn't lash himself to a balloon, right? Scott and Gene also are just fine. They're also in Kenya. They're just like, just like in a ditch somewhere. They're just like, you know, half a mile away. Okay. There's this guy, Mzungu, who calls himself Deluge. He has like energy vampire powers and he basically steals one of Storm's storms. <laughs> yeah. And he his backstory, he was this outcast albino kid in an uncontacted tribe in Africa who stumbled upon some researchers who were studying the tribe. And he's like, What the hell are you doing? Like I was so miserable there. Everybody hated me for being albino. And you're just going to let everybody live their terrible backwards lives. You're all assholes. I will kill everyone. And so he 
he wants to use Storm Storm to like flood the entire hemisphere, basically. Oh. Cyclops is unconscious this whole time, and they're all tied up and gene- they, they get tied up every fucking issue. They always get captured and have to escape and get captured and have to escape, right? It's just over Good and training. fucking over again. Yeah, yeah. Gene <laughs> basically goes into his brain and tells him to open his eyes so that it, to and just uses him like a fucking tool. Yeah, just like a like, mutant puppet. Just point and shoot. And he shoots Deluge and Deluge is like, this is great, I absorb energy. And he just keeps going until he pops. And they're like, okay. yeah. If you were writing that, yeah, would you have Gene telepathically tell him to open his eyes? Or would you have her telekinetically just open his so eyes? So they, they went through the many variations of this. There was a time in the first Savage Land arc where she just opened his visor. And there was another uh-huh. time in this Savage Land arc where she just opened his visor. But this time, because he was unconscious, she didn't want to risk tearing his eyelids because she didn't have fine enough control over mm. her telekinesis. Because that would be a bad thing if his <laughs> eyelids got torn in particular. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Solid. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, that's. It's I mean, addressed. Okay. This is this is absolutely the vibe of Silver Age comics. Is like let's over-explain everything, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in dialogue and thought balloons to make sure that we <laughs> make it blatantly clear. <laughs> yes, cover all the contingencies. Okay. Yeah. So that's the end of that story arc. There are a bunch of B plots that are going on. After the X-Men, so they like they when they were first went to the Savage Land, right? Like they crash landed, they went through turbulence, they're like almost immediately out of radio contact. And so Xavier sent Alex and Lorna after them. Bobby also heard his psychic call to Alex and Lorna and was like, oh my God. Well, first of all, First, he went to his ex-girlfriend's house at two in the morning and just crashed on the couch and didn't say anything, like didn't talk to her at all until the next morning. And his ex-girlfriend, Zelda, who lived with Beast's paramour, Vera, Vera Cantor, some unbelievably 60s names here. And, And then they call Angel's girlfriend, Candy Southern, on the phone, and they're like, you know, something's going up with the boys. And Candy already apparently knows about the school and everything and about Angel and his powers. And so she just goes to Xavier's school and dictates some fucking terms. She's like, I know what this is. I know who you are. I know about the mutants. I know about the X-Men. And you can't erase my mind about it because Warren will just tell me again and you wouldn't erase his mind about it. So... I've got you. (laughs) And so let me help, basically. And this is a really cool moment for Candy Southern because she was all but a member of the Defenders or the Champions, one of the teams that that Warren was on in between X-Men and X-Factor. She was a regular part of the cast. She was like basically running the organization and and giving them missions and figuring shit out for them and then sometimes going in the field and like it was a 
real, real shame when she got just absolutely refrigerated in the early days of X Factor by Cameron Hodge, the bastard. So there's a deep cut character who you never heard of, I'm sure, will never no. be printed again because <laughs> there's no reason to to bring her back. But she was a good character, and it's a damn shame. Anyway, it was a cool moment for her. So Alex and Lorna show up in the Savage Land. They immediately run into Kazar. Lorna introduces herself as Magnetrix. And Magnetrix, whatever, like female version of Magneto or Magnetor Mm -hmm. or something. And everyone's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And she's like, all right, I just said, you know what? Forget it. I don't. Don't don't call me that anymore. And Alex is like, nope, you're Magnatrix. <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny. You made this bed. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby also, he, he charters a flight, gets as far, he can only get as far as Tierra del Fuego. So he creates himself an ice tunnel to get the rest of the way to the Savage Land, passes out at the feet of Carl Lycos who resists the urge to touch him and become Sauron again, but that is left as a dangling plot thread. Warren did not go with the rest of the team to Kenya. He got picked up by a fishing vessel uh, along with this bird girl from the Savage Land who he feels a debt to because she saved his life. The fishing vessel plans to sell them for profit. And then Scott, Gene, and Hank come home to a dark, empty mansion, and they're greeted by the Fantastic Four, featuring uh, the roster at this point, featuring Crystal and Nosu. Mm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's where we are with that. This, this, unlike Children of the Atom, this one would keep going. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I imagine that's really difficult to like tell a story in between stories. Like, right? No kidding. Because you you can't fundamentally change a character, but there's plot pieces that you feel like you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It it does seem like the hardest p- part. You you have to leave everything where everybody knows it, but you still want to tell stories that feel like they have some sort of importance, or mm-hmm. else why the fuck are you doing it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I had one more book, but you've got a hard stop, so I'll save it for another time. Okay, I'm sorry. No, it's fun. Well, that will give us a fun tease for next week. Yeah. I have, I generally have like one book for next week. Right now. Another one I think is coming in tomorrow. Nice. Uh, but yeah, so Trials 2 is coming out in two weeks in November. And then Trials 3 is coming out just after Christmas. Nice. Well, next week, I, I don't think I'm going to be able, if I'm, if I'm doing uh, X-Men Phoenix, I don't think I'll be able to do all of the cleanup before the 12 in one pod. We'll see how it goes, especially for also okay. reading Sandman. So And, 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 and. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'll have X-Men Phoenix, and I also have to to recap the Generation X storyline that got eaten by the recording monsters the last time that I ah. did Generation X. 
because I have more Generation X. And then if I get to more than that, I'll have Bishop the Last X-Men. How about you? It's a book just called Strange. And it seems like Clea is going to take over Doctor Strange's Sorcerer Supreme title. Okay, interesting. Which is slightly unfair because she's already the Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Dimension. Like that just sounds, that just Mm -hmm. seems greedy. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's kind of interesting that I, I hope they explore it in this, but. So Stephen Strange has lost the title of Sorcerer Supreme. Many times. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say twice off the top of my head in the last 20 years that I've been reading. And like, it's a big deal because like people like Dr. Doom and Loki are contenders to be the Sorcerer Supreme. And like none of the heroes ever want that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loki has been Sorcerer Supreme for about a week. Yeah, so like Doctor Doom as Sorcerer Supreme would just be so insane. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of hope that they like address that or talk about it a little bit. Sure. Like Strange is dead. <laughs> right. What are we gonna do about this? Like, come on. So I'm interested to see what's happened. What happens there? I have the second volume of Marvels, but I'm gonna save that for the next next week. Okay. Because I actually kind of forget what happened in the first volume of the Marvels. So I'm going to have to uh, look at that real quick. Yeah. And then we have uh, issues uh, 21 through 28 of Sandman. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. A Season of Mists. Jeez, I guess we'll just put the outro music here. Okay. And I guess I guess we'll call it that and I'll see you in like two days. Yep. Alright then. Uh, well thank you for uh, the self